0: Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Sunday, January 30th episode of Poets and Muses, where we chat with poets about their inspirations. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. You can find us at poetsandmuses.com, as well as on Instagram and Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter at poetsandmuses.com. In addition to the Poets and Muses website and SoundCloud page, you can also listen to the Poets and Muses podcast on your preferred podcast platforms. Since December of 2018, we have highlighted over 140 poets in 17 countries on five continents, and we hope to continue to do that with your support. And you can support us by going to poetsandmuses.com forward slash donate and donate via either PayPal or your preferred credit cards. And now let us welcome our Poet Guest of the Week, Darren Kamali. Hi Darren, thank you very much for coming on to Poets and Muses. Oh,
1: Kiara, Bula, Imogen, it's uh, it's an honor to be here, thank you for inviting me.
0: Thank you. You just told me before that you speak Fijian, and I think you also, uh, I'm guessing from the greetings that that was Maori, is that correct?
1: It's a mixture of uh, languages, and uh, because I grew up in Fiji and in uh, Aotearoa, I use uh, multilingual words in my poetry. It could be from any of the islands as well, uh, Tonga Samoa. Uh, I grew up in Fiji 17 years before coming to Aotearoa, New Zealand, and um, hence, uh, yeah. Uh, There's uh, over 200 dialects in Fiji, and I speak the Awan dialect, which is the common Fijian dialect. Okay.
0: Can you tell me the name of the dialect again? I didn't catch it.
1: B-A-U,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, it's, from, it's from an island called Bao, and you know, uh, King of Fiji was from that island, okay. and uh, so we call it his um, uh, common dialect.
0: Okay, okay, great, thank you, mm-hmm. really appreciate that. So you brought with you the poem, She is Nana. Yes. Uh, before we get into that poem, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, so, you know, I'm in Kamali. I grew up in Fiji, like I said. Uh, my grandparents actually grew me up uh, while mum worked here in New Zealand and Australia to um, uh, pay for my school fees and, uh, yeah, was uh, allowed me to get educated in Fiji
2: mm-hmm. and in New
1: Zealand. And, um, yeah, so I grew up in Fiji 17 years uh, in a house in Samambula North, Tumbo Street in Suba. Which is the capital of Fiji. Okay. And um, yeah, I grew up there. My grandparents grew me up. I went to Mara's Brothers School. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was an altar boy for nine years, Catholic. Oh, wow. uh, my grandfather was in the military.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, I grew up very um, under the military, under Catholic, and under the culture of Uvea uh, and Futuna, which is my surname Kamali, comes from. comes from an island called Uvea and another island called Futuna, which was my great grandparents' island. And they looked to Fiji. Four generations ago.
2: Oh, wow.
1: Okay. Yeah. So most of my poems that I'm doing in this book is my memoir poems called Vunimango, uh, Mango Bar Collections. And that's when I was growing up in Fiji. I've got a compilation of 41 poems that's uh, being published at the moment. Mm -hmm. And that should be available online in the next couple of months. Okay.
0: Yeah. When did you start writing poetry?
1: When I first came to Aotearoa, actually. I grew up in Fiji. Very, um, very sort of, uh, musical family. Most of my family um, members, I guess, we went to church and we sang a lot and right. been involved in the choir and stuff like that. Right. Um, but when I came to Aotearoa, New Zealand, and that's this is where poetry found me. And I started off on the streets of uh, Auckland in 98, 99, busking mm-hmm. in street poetry. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, got picked up by a producer and he did an album. We did an album in 2000 called Mula Aotearoa Immigrant Story. Mm -hmm. and I got funded by Creative New Zealand to do another album. Everything's in poetry form, and I um, rearranged them into music and song.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. Great.
1: And then I started publishing in uh, journals, Pacific journals mainly, um, anthologies, started in 2006, Mm -hmm. and my first first pro book was uh, launched in 2011. Mm -hmm. went to a residency in Hawaii 2012, and I released my second collection, with a Hawaiian publisher, mm-hmm. Ala Press, in uh, 2014, mm-hmm. and uh, yes, it's been six years coming for this uh, next compilation. Wow!
0: Yeah. What made you decide to do poetry when when you got to New Zealand?
1: I came here in uh, '92, and I met up with a reverend called uh, Reverend Moore, Strix and Poor. At the time, I was sort of looking for. You no know, sort of ways of where I'm going to go from here. Yeah. Uh, being lost, coming out of a village in Fiji, and just being an independent and um, individual in the city was a bit of um yeah, was a bit of, yeah, of eye opener for me as well. And uh, yeah. it was great that I met this reverend, and he said to come into his. Were, he was doing a course, which was a social work course, but it was heavily based around art and poetry therapy. Yeah. Um, and so my first three poems that I wrote was uh, where I am. where I'm from, and where I'm going. Those were my first three poems in 98, and I haven't stopped writing poetry since then.
0: Wow, yeah, that's amazing. So if you don't mind reading the poem, she is Nana for us, then we can discuss
1: it. Okay, then. This one's dedicated to my grandmother. Mm. She is Nana. Tears fall like silver rain, Sleepless nights, countless rosary beads Between withered fingers, Freshly lit candle burning on the altar, Our Father who art in heaven, Lord be thy name. Pacing the front yard step by step, bead by bead, as hours disappear, sorrowful mysteries. Hail Mary, full of grace. She has witnessed children bearing babies, unknown fathers, generation, what next? All she ever does is pray, God have mercy on us. Jobless, violent fathers, loveless, desperate mothers, sorrowful mysteries, glory be to the Father to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. She refuses to go, saying not yet. Growing older, watching grandchildren grow, great-grandchildren grow to have children. The cycle continues. Untold stories unfold. Nothing good comes out of the barracks. I came back to visit Nana, to sit under that mango tree with her one last time. For theirs is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
0: Thank you. Thank you. You talked about being raised Catholic. Can you tell us a little bit about the spread of Catholicism in the Pacific Islands?
1: Yes, I think the influence of Catholicism came through France, uh, Mm -hmm. came through France and Tahiti, which is French Polynesia. And then, um, yeah, it venturated throughout the Pacific, Micronesia, Polynesia, Malnesia. And um, yeah, so they had missionaries back in those days. And, um, so I think it's one of the biggest religions in the Pacific, uh, second probably to Methodist.
2: Oh, wow.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of Catholics in, uh, in the Pacific as well. Oh, wow. I grew up Catholic and I came to New Zealand and I think I, I'm more sort of like, I see myself as a spiritual person nowadays than, than religious. Yeah. But, um, yeah, uh, it was good learning. It was good growing up with my grandparents. And, um, yeah, I learned a lot of, um, morals and values from them as well.
0: Right. right, and it—I think it's the Lord's Prayer, right? That's throughout this particular poem.
1: Yes, it's from the um, the Rosary, the okay. Holy Rosary uh, prayer, mm-hmm. and it goes through um, yeah different stages. Because when I was growing up in the islands, uh, we had to say prayers every night, and yeah, for sure, go to church on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was everything. No Venus in the morning sometimes, and uh, yeah, to the First Holy Communion, baptism, mm-hmm. confirmation, all the. Um, Rituals of the Catholic Church. Right
0: yeah,
2: right.
1: yeah.
0: What made you decide to interweave this poem with the prayer?
1: Normally, when I was growing up, I was a teenager. I used to go out, and my grandmother would be just really worried about you know getting late, and um, right. what about as well? Because yeah. yeah, and then she'll be out in the front yard with her rosary beads in her hand, and uh, she'll be praying the rosary and waiting for us, and hoping every next bus or car that'll That'll be us coming home and stuff like that. So right. yeah, she was always worried uh, and, uh, when I was a teenager. And I guess, yeah, when I was 17, it was a bit of a relief. But although she was sad that I had to go to Aotearoa, New Zealand, right. uh, she was happy that, um, yeah, it was for better opportunities. And uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: and to, yeah, and to, to have some good influence, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. When did you write this poem?
1: I wrote this this whole collection over the last three years.
0: Oh wow! Okay, so it's very recent then.
1: Um, yes, but I, it's a recall right back to the forties in Fiji and barracks, where my grandfather was a soldier, and he got from the barracks and all the story behind story about that. Right. There's an American embassy that taken our plantation away and built its embassy behind our barracks, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that'll be involved in the book too, included in the book.
0: Yeah, I remember you talking about yeah. that in the other poem that I read, uh, the one that's about your grandfather, right?
1: That's right, yeah, Vunemangu, yes. Yeah.
0: Was there a specific reason you decided to write a poem about your grandmother?
1: Yeah, this whole book I'm dedicating it to my grandparents. um, Yeah, just uh, acknowledging them and the way they brought me up and my memories of growing up. So it's actually coming from a young boy's eyes, maybe a teenage boy's eyes, 12, Mm -hmm. 13, 14 year old. And, um, yeah, sort of what I saw at the time and I was trying to capture it in this collection of poems.
0: Right. I thought it's interesting that you start this with tears fall, like Suva Rain. Is there a specific reason why you decided to start with a sad imagery?
1: Yeah, I think I picture my, my sort of grandmother, my nana, uh, sad, or oh, uh, I think right through her. She's always been worried and always been sort of in that uh, that space. And and it rains in silver it doesn't stop, you know. So mm-hmm. it's, it's endless rain, and uh, now and that's what I sort of wanted to capture. There is that she never stops crying, actually, you know. Right. Even if she's not got tears, you know, from eyes, the tears are falling in the, in her heart in the spirit, you know. Yeah. Right, right.
0: Even though you invoke the sorrowful mysteries. You talk about that, and you sort of hint at certain things like jobless, violent fathers, loveless, desperate mothers.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. I guess we grew up in a in a village of barracks, and there was no fence, no boundaries, and uh, yeah, my people like my granddad went to war, and uh, there was no therapy after war, so um, he came through it, but a lot of the younger people didn't come through it, and we didn't. Yeah. I grew up with, uh, yeah, sort of, we just grew up being exposed to other, our neighbors, what's happening in the neighborhood, and not that it was a bad thing, but it was, yeah, so it was a sort of an unancholy kind of feeling as well, and uh, yeah, so Right. was different, because, uh, we were in the barracks, and yeah, and I guess I'm just writing about uh, soldiers after war and what happens in families. Right. Um, right. Yeah, and what, what's the result? Uh, how does it result? In? That's what I saw. That's what I, the stories that I heard uh, included in this collection.
0: Right. Which you talk about uh, a bit more when you were writing about your grandfather in the other poem.
1: Um, that's right. So it had a few stanzas and, uh, yeah, brought him out in his younger days and when he went to war and, and stuff like that and the transition into being an old man and starting to get sick of uh, due to the, you know, his plantation being taken away and stuff like that.
2: Right.
1: Yeah, he passed away early at 75. My grandmother passed last year. Oh, wow. Uh, Am my Kamali, and uh, that's why I really want to publish this book uh, maybe in the next month because her anniversary comes up on July the 13th of her passing. Wow. I just want to acknowledge her. Right,
2: right, right.
0: And it's interesting because you allude to this violence, but in this particular poem, you don't really talk about the source of it, even though in the other poem you do, in terms of the what they used well, to call... Where it's
1: coming from, the, and, yeah, and the, the backstory to some of those problems in our barracks. And it was due to socioeconomic problems. It was one-bedroom barrack growing up, and there was about 14 of us in that one-bedroom barrack. And now it's gone up into two bedrooms, and we've done something at the back. Right. But they still about yes. 17 of us staying in Ireland, and, and we support them from the Wow.
2: Yeah.
1: Well,
0: when you say a one-room barrack, or yeah. a one-bedroom, excuse me, barrack, can you give us an idea of, of the dimensions, how big it was or how small it was?
1: Uh, it would be about four by four meters a room, and that'll be our sitting room and our kitchen and our uh, one-bedroom. And the bathroom in total will be separate from the house, which is outside. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's And then it, when, once we extended it back, I think it was the late 80s, early 90s. And now, yeah, we've put in two more bedrooms in, in, a, in a back house. Right,
0: right. So yeah. 16 square meters or 160 about square feet.
1: It's it's something like a bunker, you know, sort of a bomb shelter kind of set up. And wow. yeah, it's really uh, cemented, really uh, thick walls and uh, right. can get really hot as well. especially in the tropics. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah, they they don't, uh, you know, when, (laughs) like when colonization (laughs) happened, they didn't really adapt to the local environment.
1: That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's still there today, but uh, the American embassy wanting to buy all our barracks out in the village as well. So um, they want to build the empire. And yeah, that's an issue we're facing at the moment. Yeah. That's the importance of this book that I compiled. Right. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's it's very important to talk about that because we don't really talk about it here. I, I don't I don't think we're aware of it here. It's not no, really talked. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I guess it's a small place, small islands, and um, people take advantage of us as well. So, um, mm. it's, it's pretty hard to get your rights as a third world country. So it's different kind of government as well, Fiji, and yeah, if you got money coming from the states or from. Asia or wherever, mm-hmm. I guess there's always a way in yeah. But, uh, yeah.
0: David was talking about that a little bit, about how Fiji is sort of in the middle of these um, sort of power struggles between the West and the East.
1: That's right, yeah. And, and I look at it as the uh, Mexico, the Pacific, you know, Fiji Islands, so the mm. Republic of Fiji, and uh, yeah, they could always... It's sort of like in the center. So before New Zealand Australia, they used to come to Fiji to do uh, medicine. Uh, doctors come to study in Fiji from the islands. Mm-hmm. And uh, and universities there too. I mean, it's, it's a big, uh, it's 332 islands, so it's all spread out towards Tonga and Samoa and Pacific and West Polynesia. East mm-hmm. Polynesia. Yeah. Um, sorry,
0: What, what do you what did you mean by...
1: Um, Before going to Australia, they go to study in Fiji? So during the 50s and 40s, 50s, 60s, um, they would go to Fiji to study medical studies, hospitality studies, theological schools. Uh, And once they developed relationships with Australia and New Zealand, now they started to come this way. Mm -hmm. But we still have the University of the South Pacific in Fiji and stuff like that. And um, yeah, people still go there. Um, And I guess that's how we relate build relationships between the islands as well with, uh, with us here in the Pacific. Oh, okay. That's
0: yeah. interesting. And was that interrupted during the civil war, during the
1: unrest? Uh, the coup, cool, yes. Uh, there was The first coup I was 87. I guess you had some of those in my grandfather's story as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's when uh, Brigadier General um, Rambuka took over and they called my grandfather back into the military force mm. after his retirement. To um, uh, be military intelligence for that first call in 87. Um, I've wrote, written a song about that and I've, I've written qu- quite a bit of that in this book as well. Right. And um, yeah, so um, and that was just the first one. I think we had four since then. Right. it's so for the last 30, 35 years. Yeah, we've been <laughs> having endless calls. Uh, yeah. Right, right.
0: It's almost like a chain reaction, isn't it? It's hard to get out of once you're in it.
1: Yes, and I guess the, the government has got use, gotten used to that. and uh, It's been a military-led government uh, since then, and, and it's gone probably always been you know, since the Republic.
0: Right. Between the PTSD and the very cramped quarters, you could definitely understand the trauma that might result from that.
1: Yeah, I guess uh, now it's not as poor as we grew up, or my parents grew up in the barracks in Tumbo Street. But uh, yeah, they're still suffering. there. They, it's really hard. And especially after this COVID, a um, lot of them have lost their job. My cousin has lost his job. He's gone three days a week. And normally he works 40 hours a week and he gets only 150 bucks. So, oh, wow. Yes. Yeah, so it's, it's not easy. I guess that's why I was sort of chosen to come overseas as well and for better opportunities and other stuff like that to right. support our family back in Ireland. Right,
0: right. Yeah. What I see is this very seamless integration between, you know, this reflection on the mood of your childhood and some of the harshness of it interweave with the prayers. Was that in itself a social commentary? Um, uh, What were you trying to say with the juxtaposition between the two?
1: Yeah, I mean, throughout the book there is a lot of um, struggle and a lot of challenges that we face growing up there in the barracks, but it actually brings up, uh, remember there's, a, there's about 41 poems and, uh, right. and it goes different characters and then actually um, it weaves. I, I think, the, the good memories into the hard times as well. Right, right. <laughs> so it's like, oh, yeah, I remember that, or I remember somebody telling me that story, or, yeah, I remember that feeling when uh, I had experienced it, something happened. Mm-hmm. And all uh, that had that not created the juxtaposition in terms of, uh, yeah, the, The darkness and the light and the good and the you know the Mm. that comes out of the barracks and um, yeah how it changed over the decades so it's I'm writing about the last probably five six decades and and how it comes comes through a different way yeah so um yeah the forty one poems will collect the the whole thing I I guess I sent you about three poems and there was the extended one yeah yeah Uh, and yeah it took me a while I guess because it's just last year I wrote probably a dozen poems to add to this and uh, that really finished the collection probably. Right. And uh, and I felt it was ready to go after three years. And, um, yeah, it feels right. And my grandma passed away last year and I told her before she passed that this is going to be a book right. to remember. Yeah. So they, their memories are not in vain. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Specific to this book, though, the melancholy. I mean, you, you do talk about some of the the happier thing seems to be now, like the last stanza is the more.
1: Yeah. The trum- so, um, yeah, the- to sit under the mango tree for one more time and just, you know, yeah. remember the last Talano, last conversation with her, and, and that was when she passed, and for this is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. That's my grandparents right there, yeah. Right, right. They go up to for me. They go up to heaven, you know.
2: Right, To par-
1: yeah. Paradise. To, yeah, right. to polo to.
0: Yeah. Right. In a way, it's a very like I don't know if I want to say Catholic or Christian because I'm I'm not uh, I'm actually not religious.
1: It is Catholic because um, that's from the Rosary, and um, we, we did that every night. Seven thirty, we had to come to the lounge, report to the lounge, and um, yeah, seven thirty on the dot. The whole family was saying the Rosary. Have decades of the rosary and uh, yeah we had different mysteries and this one was a sorrowful mystery
2: right
0: yeah. right and this poem as well it gives you that sense because the teaching especially i guess especially catholicism but you know correct me if i'm wrong like i said i'm not religious myself so i don't have yeah. those teachings as a base but from what i understand of it is that you know it's it's always a delay gratification. You kind of trudge through life and then you wait to go to heaven.
1: Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's correct. Uh, that's pretty right. And uh, yeah, I guess we grew up like that. And it was about, yeah, at a uh, you know, point, I grew up with seven sisters as well. So mm. my mother had an older sister and there's seven sisters and we all were brought up Catholic and um, we would go outside and we would, would want to see the lady of Fatima, you know, the three ladies of Fatima, they might appear above the mango tree or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess that's how much we were involved and in, how much my grandparents were staunch about the Catholic religion. Right. Uh, in in to right. T- Street, that household, there can never be another religion that comes to Otherwise, even if you were a member of the family and you change your religion, you would be yeah cast out of the family. Wow. <laughs> that's how staunch my grandparents were. Too. Wow. Yeah. <laughs>
0: It comes through, right? Even though maybe you cover the story somewhere else, but there is
1: that... Um... There can never be a, another God uh, apart from the Catholic God in that household, and that's what I was spelling out in the book and in most of the poems. Right. I mean, I, mean, I don't really... Um, sometimes I don't uh, I don't agree with all the Catholic... with all what the Catholic Church is doing, but um, that's just something I only understand because I grew up 17 years just fully embedded in the religion. And um, yeah, I get my boys to go to church and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, they can make their own choice, I guess. Aotearoa has given me the choice. Mm-hmm. At 17, I came to New Zealand and uh, yeah, got, well, I was more of an independent. I grew up in a village. A village screwed me up and then yeah, they sent me overseas. And I really was culture shocked when I came to Aotearoa and the climate from the tropics to windy, Wellington, really cold. And yeah, just I just it didn't make sense to me. I don't I didn't know why. They took me out of their place, but today, after this uh, all these books, after the experience in Aotearoa,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I give thanks. I give thanks to my grandparents and right. my mom and family.
0: Right, right. Yeah, it's it's always good to have a different perspective, right?
1: Yeah, they really invested in that, and, and they got me here to where I'm at today, mm-hmm. and I give thanks. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So- so are, are your other siblings um, still there, or are, are some of them also in in um, parts of the world? In the
1: States, there's my sister, one of my sisters in the States, in okay. San Francisco, another sister's in England. Okay. Uh, another sister's in Australia, one is here, right. and uh, two in Fiji,
2: yeah.
1: And one passed away when we were growing up, she was 18, she's in the book too. Mm-hmm. And she's got a poem for herself, which just right. gone too soon, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she was 17, I was 18. Just before I came to Artero, she passed away. And um, yeah, oh. it was sort of a sign of change as well. Yeah,
0: I'm sorry. That must have been really tough to to have to live through that.
1: Um, yeah, and her mom never been cried, No, you know, never dropped a tear while we came between the funeral, It's like, wow, she was so strong and brave. Yeah. But, um, but she was close, to, I was close to... There's the three of us who were close in age so we were really close and she was one year older than me
0: right yeah.
1: yeah yeah but yeah It's really I wanted to do that with this book I wanted to acknowledge everyone who touched my life yeah. it could have been from the guy who's doing the lawns and and, uh, and could have been the lady washing her clothes in the river
2: mm-hmm.
1: so any of them even the dog aki I send it over to you the wild dog he he made my life as well
0: yeah i i i was tempted to choose that poem
1: um <laughs> <laughs> was a real vicious dog okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah it
0: wasn't I, i'm not sure if i saw viciousness in it but i definitely saw a dog that was that had his preferences like strong preferences <laughs>
1: <laughs> he knew he could smell he could smell fear man and he he loved human blood like um like a bokola, that's what I say is in there, which is, means a cannibal, you know. Oh. So, yeah, so that those kind of words that comes in, like the Pigeon words, <laughs> gives it a bit more emphasis. And there's a glossary at the back of the book, so okay. it's going to give more insight into the words that I use. Right,
0: right. Well, funny enough, this particular poem doesn't have really... Uh...
1: Y- yeah, I guess it's straightforward, this one. When you chose that, I said, oh, wow, yeah, it doesn't have any other... Um, language in it, which is straightforward. Is uh, like you said, it's it's to the um, the religion and to the you know a little bit of a background in the Barrett life.
0: Yeah, you know. yeah. The religion is very dominant in this particular poem, and you know, you you kind of sprinkle uh, hints of what life is like here and there. But like I said, the the religious aspect of it kind of overwhelms you, and you know, it's just.
1: And um, it's yes. so.
0: It, it and that's
1: probably how I grew up and how I felt because mm-hmm. I, I felt that I saw other religions around, but I just said, oh man, you know, my grandparents would really so me if I you know, try and go into another church or something. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it, it really had a big influence and impact on my life. And yes, uh, yeah, so that first 17 years was very embedded in religion and its and culture. Right. So um, those three elements really moulded me before I came to Atarua, and Atarua and Hampton, exposing me to the other uh, race, re- and nationalities, and mm-hmm. religion. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I imagine you—you you have to, even though obviously, the closer you are in age, the you—you c- you got along with those siblings more.
1: Yes, but um,
0: just having so many people in in such a small amount of space
1: I and then mean, there would be the barracks would be about 40 barracks mm. on the hill. so one barrack would be 14 people maybe another barrack would be more people <laughs> <laughs> you know so we were we were poor but not as poor as some of our neighbors you know? right right wow so- some, of, some of them were building ghettos outside or at the back you know and kind of live you know in a little space right yeah right. trying to make plantations wherever we could you know
2: right
1: yeah Wow. And we even go on to talk about raiding our you know, neighbor's fence for, for chicken and ducks or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how hungry we were, you know, and after drinking or whatever, you know, it just... <laughs> right. That's what happened, yeah.
0: Right, right. Yeah, it does remind me of some scenes I've seen in parts of... Well, actually, I was just in Uganda, so I've, I've seen something similar um, well, yeah. there, as well as in the Caribbean
1: yeah, and and this book will be the same thing. as our, I know people will relate to it. People grew up like me, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they would have that. If it's not Catholic religion, it'll be another religion, you know. Yeah. It'll be as, as some other culture, and it'll be you know, but it'll still have sort of those underlying tones of third world struggle and and you know military and, and stuff like that. Yeah. So I know I know a lot of people will will relate, will relate to this book as well, especially yeah. in my people in, here in the Pacific.
0: Yeah, I definitely think so, and and gives you a sense of you know, especially this poem again, it's like uh, it gives you a sense of having very little options.
1: That's right, and I guess um, that's where creativity really was born. You know, when I tell my children nowadays, man, you know, we didn't have a present <laughs> going up for, for for Christmas or birthdays, you know. We really improvised. We went out there. We broke a stick, and it was our gun. You know, it was right. our rifle, whatever we <laughs> imagined. We played marbles. You know, our seasons were not uh, not weather seasons. Our seasons were kite season, marble season, you
2: know? right. top
1: season. And that, that's, that, it's, it's included in the book as well. So, mm-hmm. I guess with yeah. this book, you need to read it from start to finish, and you will get the gist of, of, of life of a boy growing up in the Barrack in Wall Street, San in right. and Island. Right, yeah. right, right.
0: Yeah. With this particular poem about your grandma, there is a sense of her having a very melancholy, as you said before, life, and very little escape from it. It's just one day to the next, very similar. There is um, a certain monotony to it.
1: And a very proud woman, uh, although she was poor, she wouldn't go out and ask for money. She would go fishing up to her knees with the basket and bring the fish home and, and get breadfruit and stuff. She was very, yeah, economical, but we still sort of struggled. And she never, she had a pride. She, she never really went out of her way to go ask for, for money or for help.
2: Mm. She helped
1: others actually, she worked for St. Vincent de Paul. We used to take food to people in the villages who were less fortunate than us. So yeah, it was, it's just celebrating Nana, really.
0: Yeah, that's a Catholic French uh, origin originated charity. It, it's yes,
1: that's right, and, and it, it's very, it's very um, sort of active in the Pacific as well, and a lot uh, of the islands in the Catholic Church. Right. Well. right,
0: They're very active. I know in Arizona, that's where I encounter them because I, I'm not from Arizona. I uh, saw them, and I. Was wondering what they were about because they also run charity shops, you know, where they
1: sell. Yes. I guess most of our clothes we're growing up was from there as well. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Sure. Yeah. And she was good at sewing, with grandmother, and, and stuff like that. You know, she had one of those old machines. Right. Swinger, right. uh, swing, swinger, or something. Yeah. And then she just threw all our clothes in. Just wear the same clothes every year and just patch it up and stuff like that. Yeah.
2: Right,
0: right. Well, that's interesting because you're telling me these other aspects of her life. Um, can I ask you um, for what reason uh, why you decided not to include those aspects, like the fishing, the pride? The
1: yeah, um, there's actually a few poems on her in the book, and okay. flows into yeah her some of her backstory, which is yeah, and this is just one of them. Banana, right. but she appears, yeah. I think throughout the book she's she's there because she stayed stayed with us eighteen years after my grandfather passed. So um mm-hmm. yeah, she was just so she'll, she'll be in the book and there'll be more stories about her involvement there and, and she is the boss, she's the boss of the household. Right. You know. Right. And my grandfather would say you would support that <laughs> anyway. You had no choice, you know. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, often, I mean often yeah. It's the, un, it's unspoken, right? The power structure, even. That's
1: right. So most of the things I'm not saying you can, hopefully you can pick it up in between. Yeah. when you're reading most of the poems and um, yeah, it's, it's not what I'm really saying. Some of them is what I'm not saying.
2: Right.
1: And hopefully that comes out. Yeah. Right. But like, even with that, if you're not Catholic, you would not know that it was Catholic. Yes. hmm Yeah. But as soon as you, if you were Catholic, you would know. Oh yeah, sorrowful mysteries. Uh, glory be to the Father. Yeah. Oh yeah. All the um, catch terms sort of, from the Rosary.
2: Right.
1: Yeah.
0: I didn't and even the,
1: the prayer of Our Father in heaven. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I've definitely heard some. Some of these are very familiar. I've been to Catholic church uh, services before, so I'm, and also, you know, where America is such a Judeo-Christian country, it's you know you can't help it; it comes through, you know. Like, <laughs> it, it just,
1: it's extreme, yeah. I, it's awesome. it guess got everything going.
0: <laughs> it, it definitely <laughs> permeates, uh, and so you can't help but be familiar. Where you, you don't even realize until you catch yourself. Uh,
1: <laughs> thinking oh my god I know that one yes <laughs> yeah.
0: but I didn't know about the sorrowful mysteries that's part of the prayer as well
1: yes yeah, so you have the joyful mysteries the sorrowful mysteries you have a I think there's three mysteries oh, okay. and then all those mysteries will have uh, five decades of the rosary within them they'll have their own way of saying those prayers and stuff oh. and yeah we used to spend hours praying at home I guess that's how I became a teenager. I started to, I do after nine years of altar boy and just continuous prayers in church, it, yeah, I started to rebel at the teenage years.
2: Right.
1: And I guess that's where it's closer to the time for me to come to New Zealand. Right. And I think it made it easier for my grandparents to send me to Aotearoa as well. Right.
2: So,
1: right. Yeah. But I, yeah, it was really, and I don't want to do that with my kids. I don't want to really, like, you know, force it on them. I want right. them to enjoy. Enjoy the process of prayer or enjoy the process of church, you know? right? And don't feel like they're forced to do stuff. No?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, you know, that, that's the luxury, as you said, right? Um, as well as with the physical luxury of choice, of having presence, but there's also the luxury of choice of having different religions to choose from.
1: That's right. Yeah, because in, in our little village there, we would have all the religions. we will have about eight different churches. Mm-hmm. And that'll be like almost five, ten minutes apart from each other, you know. Mm-hmm. It's all in the area and everyone's doing their own thing, Mormon church, Methodist, you know, a right. and you can A.G. And, um, yeah, it's very much uh, full of cult churches as well in the island. So, yeah, I guess um, if you're a priest or you're a talatala, one of these um, pastors you really looked after. Um, the priests were like um, gods in our houses. We had to, yeah, serve them when, when you see them coming. More right. uh, well, than probably our, our chief oh. <laughs> sometimes. <Right. laughs> but um, yeah, it's just the, the importance of uh, spirituality, I guess, and religion to our people nowadays. And right. Uh,
2: right.
1: it's all embedded into our culture, I guess. Right. Well, I,
0: yeah, do you know, uh, brings up an interesting, um, I was wondering in terms of the existence and how the influence of the indigenous religions, how does that compare to the, you know, Christianity?
1: Uh, they have actually, um, some of it has been branded heathen practice, so they are not allowed to do that anymore. Well, so, um, it's the Catholic, it's the Christian religions that's the one that we're looking to, towards now, and um, right. Yeah, some some of them if they're still practicing the old way they get banished from the church oh, wow. for okay. yeah for, for sort of doing other stuff and, is and that it's, which is sad too because we've lost a lot of our culture and in our, in yeah. our talmas and our treasures that yeah. we use and I do a lot of museum work as well in terms of uh reviving our hair traditions of Fiji right and so there yeah it's that's my other project that I do on the side and I write forms for that
2: too. right
1: yeah right. Yeah, that's But really uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of practice that we need to tap into in terms of all spirituality, which is very significant, and even in terms of medicine, in terms of herbs and leaves and, and other stuff like that.
2: Right.
1: Um, it's really been taken over by, yeah, the Western culture.
2: Yeah.
0: So is that the case even now, or is it different now? Because I know, um, so David was telling me how... Teoroa New Zealand how basically in the 80s there was a deliberate decision to raise up indigenous cultures and that's how there was a change in the attitude toward indigenous peoples so I was wondering if there is or was a similar movement in Fiji in terms of revitalizing the culture
1: I guess now we can, especially with in terms of research and revival and museum studies, mm. to do that revival projects now. But yeah, it depends because you have to go through the ministry of Itauke, which is the indigenous Fijian people of the island, and it's through them that you can practice those in depth with those uh, old practices as well. Mm. Then I guess it, it comes down to the blessing and the permission from uh, the indigenous people right. as well. And it's, I guess we can do it now. And in terms of my studies, it, it complements what I'm doing and sort of uh, informs the uh, treasures that I study. And I guess it's accepted by them as well. And it's appreciated. Yeah.
0: That's good. So similar to you, uh, my grandmother had a very outsized influence on my life. In many ways, she kind of raised me. She was often my babysitter. So, the poem that I'm going to read now is a reminiscence about her um, and also about that part of my childhood. So I'll read that now. It's called A Vice from Peach Blossoms. I saw a branch of peach blossoms leaning against a rubbish bin. It talked to me about spring times a long, long ago, years of climbing trees and fighting boys with innocence of the past, when peach trees lined schoolyards with blossoms profuse and teachers spoke of one-two-threes in a language I've since disused. And of that land and ocean away, my beautiful birthplace, where grandmother now lay dying and blinded by age, pining for reunion with daughter and granddaughter alike, while yearning in agony for death to take her away. A return to that faraway land where memories come alive of grandmother's soothing voice and remembrance of friends' whole sway.
1: Wow, that's beautiful, I I can see the imagery and it's really uh, sort of similar to mine as well, going back to that innocent place, you know, and uh, yeah. It's really touchy. It feels like I was, <laughs> it feels like the barracks as well. Because <laughs> yeah. we played uh, tag on the tree as well, on the mango tree. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you, I and mean, although that was my tree, you had your tree.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> That's a wonderful poem. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Thank you. I really appreciate
1: that. Yeah. But did you just write that or was it written before?
0: No, it, this this poem is the quite old. It's over 20 years old.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah, I think it's 20 <laughs> Yeah, years. that's lovely.
0: Thank you. Yeah, so
2: I, wonderful. yeah.
0: I wrote this around the time. I forget if I wrote it before or after she passed. I, I think it was before. Because
1: she's sick, eh? She's a bit ill in that.
0: Yeah, well, she's she's always been ill. She was ill when my mother, she's my maternal grandmother, so she was ill when my mother and her siblings were like teenagers. So wow. she had this uh, congenital problem. So okay. so it was very difficult for her to to bring up, and she had to bring up her children by herself because of. Um, a very difficult family situation that happened that took her husband away and so it was very hard on her because she had like I said this uh, condition so when I was born like for all the time that I knew her she was always bedridden so oh wow
1: yeah especially seeing them. and I guess you get used to seeing them that way
0: yeah yeah because you know when you when you're a kid when you're you know when you're born into that situation you yes. don't know of any it's, it's normally things.
1: yeah it's like a normal
0: yeah exactly it's like it's like hearing the catholic prayer you know it,
1: it's that's right it's yeah very, it's part of yeah it's yeah. A, um, part of who you are hey? yeah
0: exactly so it was really interesting to grow up in in that environment because you know obviously in this poem it's not just about her though she does play a part in it, and she is part of the reminiscence uh, about my childhood.
1: Um, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: When did she pass? Don't mind me asking.
0: It's about twenty-five years ago. Around oh, the, it was around wrote the wrote time of that poem. Mm-hmm. That's why I can't really remember if it was. I I'm pretty sure I wrote it right before she passed. She had actually technically had passed away before, but. With medical science,
1: all right, yeah, sort of unconscious or something.
0: Yeah, they they brought her back. She she was technically dead for for at least like half an hour. Wow! And then she was back, and she lived for I forget was it a decade? I'll have to check with my mom again. I think maybe a decade afterwards, uh, and so this was the time. That oh, what a strong lady! Eh? Yeah, yeah, it, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, she was plagued by sickness, but she yeah. was strong.
1: So fighter?
0: Yeah, she, absolutely a fighter. It's funny because you know when I after I sent you the poem, I wrote another poem about the the stubborn women in in my family. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can relate. <laughs>
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah that's a
1: good one i want to hear that one too <laughs> one day
0: yeah exactly like what you said about your grandmother you know like the sense of you know we know what we want we're gonna stick to what we want
2: that's right of that. <laughs> and there's no other way
0: yeah? <laughs> yeah exactly our word is law kind of it didn't manifest that way in particular like in the way that they related to well with my mom yeah, a bit more like that. But I don't remember my grandmother being that obstinate. She didn't really say you have to behave a certain way or else. Partly because, again, because of her health condition, she can't really exert that energy.
1: Yeah, I guess that she's always trying to yeah, yeah preserve energy.
0: Yeah, exactly. And funny enough, she was raised Catholic. She went to Catholic school. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: So
1: I guess back in those days, like, yeah, yeah, there was certain religion, yeah,
0: yeah, and and also she she grew up at a time that was quite chaotic. So I think better education was through the religious
1: schools. That's right. Yeah, I guess so too, because we all went to yeah, we got educated in those schools.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So and it was orbole, eh? yeah,
0: yeah. She was not vocal about, I don't think she was religious. I don't remember her being preachy. I don't remember her, like, she didn't read the, she didn't use the rosary bees and everything. Well, also political, the political climate change. So um, even if she was, she wouldn't be able to express it. But. As far as what I know from what my mom told me, uh, I don't think she ever was one of those, you know, church-going people. It's just that yeah. her Catholicism—I don't—I don't even know if she was religious, but she did go to religious school. Again, more for the education than anything.
1: Probably from to. the parents, hey, From your grandparents?
0: Yeah, I don't—I don't think my great grandparents were religious. I oh, okay. I think it, you know really it was just a practicality because the Catholic um, uh, they they ran the schools so oh, right. yes you know and so it's
1: connected eh?
0: yeah because you know they they don't separate the educational aspect or they don't separate the religious with the secular education they go hand in hand so yeah when I say she went to Catholic school it's more just a matter of that is the sort of school she went to for a better yeah. education rather than uh, she yeah, calling the religion and right. yeah that's right exactly
2: yeah exactly. fair enough yeah
0: but there are definitely some that mango tree sitting on the main under the mango tree of your imagery ah. that you brought up that sense of serenity it really is yes. just made me think <laughs> of this poem because there was a lot of serenity when I was with my grandmother that I couldn't find when I was with my parents.
1: Definitely, yeah. And, yeah, I was really close to them growing up. Uh, then I was to my mom, whose mom was overseas most of the time. But, yeah, those were great times and memories. and Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: It's good to capture it and, um, yeah, and feel that again.
2: Yeah. Like
1: you said, it's reminiscent for your poem. It's reminiscent for me, too.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Just going back to the childhood time and and place and and other person. Right,
0: right. And the school, you know, the I just I love peach blossoms just because you know they. I don't. I don't think they smell (sighs) nice. I don't remember the smell. I do remember how beautiful they looked.
2: looked. Yeah.
0: And, And. you know, it's, it's springtime. It basically just meant springtime. And there were harsh winters. So it's one of those... I change, hey.
1: I change into something bright, eh? I mean.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a sign of life again, you know, after.
1: That's right, yeah.
0: <laughs> after the harsh
1: And you feel that as well. You feel it when you say, you no. Know, as soon as you hear that word blossoming.
0: Eh? Right,
1: right. Yeah, it sort of brings that image, eh? <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah. so so it always reminds me of that and there there is definitely a sense of innocence right because when you're looking back and you know when you're fortunate enough to live a childhood that is it's not the most peaceful but still it's not horribly traumatic so your memory affords you that that peace Um, yeah and so it's nice to look back and and just say, oh, you know, yeah. I wish I was still back there in in certain in certain ways. That you know, memory has this wonderful ability to smooth out things.
1: <laughs> That's right, <what> mean. <laughs> especially in poetry. Especially in, uh, if you're writing something based on a memoir, you
0: know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think. There are certain episodes that are traumatic that stands out. And then you have poems about that. But, you know, that's usually separate. And then you yeah. have the ones that are about the happier times. And I, I don't tend to write about the happier times.
1: Yeah, yeah yours is very, um, like mine, it's a mix, A, Although it's it's still got a memory in it. It's, uh, like I said, like you said, you know, violent fathers and all that's coming in, eh? But like with yours, it's beautiful. It's just flowing, you know. It's mm-hmm. good. It's like, uh, yeah, like transition of the season from winter into spring. Right,
2: right, or,
0: yeah. yeah. I mean, there, well, there is a sadness yeah. of losing that beauty, right? Because I, I, talk about a language that's being lost. Um, yes. You yeah,
1: know. the sadness is under, under yeah, the undertone. I think.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And my grandmother's pain. Yeah, and these pains are just uh, the advancing of age, as well as her, the fact that she was dying. Um, yeah. and it was. And
1: I guess you've been probably there must be a whole childhood you, you would have seen her that way, yeah, suffering and, and just yeah. Um,
0: fortunately, I would say no. Um, I mean, this particular when I was lay dying and then blinded by age, these are all. Parts of her like aging process that I was fortunate enough not to have witnessed. These are things that I heard about more secondhand from my mom because my mom was in touch with her siblings and, and her mother. Uh, well, by that time, I was more in touch with her siblings. So she was relating this to me like thirdhand. So I was able to, in some way, have the distance to take poetic less license with that. Um, no. So when you're reading it, it flows with the rhythm. It doesn't it doesn't jar as much as right. if you're experiencing it directly, like in your poem.
1: Um, and you feel like it sits well, and you know when once you, you're happy with it, eh? You, I mean, sometimes you have to find the right words to sit properly together. Yeah. To me. Make it mean, you know, what you wanna me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think most of the poem is definitely much more um, there there is a sense of regret at the same time there is also a sense of acceptance to
1: it. Yeah, I, I get I get you as well because at the same time, like I said, she's you know she's saying her prayers because she's waiting for us.
2: Right.
1: I have I have that regret as well. I said I shouldn't have kept her waiting, you know. Right. Shouldn't have got her to be, you know, right. to cry or to, you know, to say, say prayers continuously because right. of me. Right. <laughs> I felt a bit of guilt, you know.
0: Right,
2: right.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. The wonderful thing is that you had that beautiful moment that you were able to see her again mm. prior to her yeah. passing. So, you know, you were able to say your goodbyes, which is really, really wonderful.
1: Yeah, no, that was special for me. And um, I, I, I did make an effort every year to go back to Fiji and see my grandmother, especially after my granddad passed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, because it really changed everything as well. Once the, you know, one's gone. And now she's gone, it's actually changed again. And, you know, mm. it's really, once they've gone, it's hard to replace them. You know? Yeah. And uh, the the leadership changes, you know. Yeah. And the whole team structure changes, <laughs> family, because right. we live in extended families. You know, we can have four generations under one roof. You know,
2: right? Yeah, you
0: definitely get that sense of passage of time and then new uh, growth in the family.
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: But I, one of the questions I forgot to ask you before was, like, you have mentioned just now that your mother was in a foreign land. You said.
1: She was here in New Zealand for seven years before I could come over. Oh, okay. uh, it was just on um, because of the way our governments work. Right. And we, we, especially for Fiji, it's a republic, so it's not that friendly at that time. Right. More friendly maybe today. Right. But at that time, it was really a difficult thing to do, a difficult process. And um, yeah, and the choice was for me, what I mean, the option was for me to stay with my grandparents to right. do my education. Right. Well, my mom worked on her papers here. Till it was time for me to come.
2: Right.
1: Yeah, so it took about seven years. And uh, during that time, it was the way I got educated and I could wear some good clothes and stuff was when mom was working overseas. Right, yeah. uh, We came from a broken home. So most of my my sisters I was talking about, they're my first cousins, but we all grew up together in the same household. Right. And uh, they didn't have a father just like me, and my father was my granddad, and my grandmother was sort of like a mother because my mom wasn't around.
2: Right.
1: And uh, they were, yeah, for a lot of us, and not just us, and there was a lot of homeless people that had come through mm. the barracks, uh, through 27 Tumbo Street. Right. And, um, yeah. yeah, so, so it's, this, it's the whole history about this memoir that I'm right. trying to put together.
0: Yeah, you talk about that in your other poem about your granddad, about people coming through.
1: And- yes, so the open-door policy, and, uh, you know, the door is never closed. As soon as you wake up in the morning, it's open, and anyone's welcome, you know, yeah. Right. And this, but, yeah, I mean, I was counting, uh, when I left at 17, there had already been 75 different homeless people that had come through wow. the barrier. <laughs> That's
0: amazing.
1: So yes, yeah, so I've met different aunties and uncles from the streets and stuff like that, who are so begging, and the next minute they were staying with us at home, you know. Right, right. It was sort of that kind of home. You know, it's a refugee camp. Or right,
0: right. Yeah. yeah. Find a spot and
1: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. make a bed there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right, and and I find that interesting. The the aspect of your mom, you know, being away working on her papers, uh, the legal papers, in order for you to to bring you over, and it's it's so reminiscent of. Uh, you know, other immigrant families here as well in the U.S. and, and
1: the sacrifice, you know, yeah. Now, then I guess that's why you know really can't help but you, you know take care or give back reciprocity. You know, back to how they brought you up and all the stuff that they've done for you, which is you can't pay them back. You know? Right? Yeah. But I'm um, in I mean, this. Could, I'm in a better place now. You know, due to their vision. Right. Of me growing up. And if I didn't grow up the way I did, I mean I wouldn't change it for the world and, and I guess that's what made me who I am today. And yeah. And poetry has really resonated with me when I first came to Arturo because it actually where I grew up was was poetry, you know. It was uh, yeah. It was song, you know, it was like yeah. Yeah. And I tapped into it and I found poetry. Poetry found me in our it just felt right, felt good, it felt like um, yeah, that was me. It was what I was destined to be.
2: <laughs>
1: and to write my stories is the main thing is to tell, you know, mm-hmm. tell people where I come from and, and, and they share Pacific poetry and stuff like that. Yeah. Right.
0: And it's really nice to be able to find that ability to express yourself, to find this kindred way of being able to relate your story, being able to tell it. In a way that other people can relate to
1: it. Yeah, and then when they really understand it, it really makes the difference in, in the way they relate to it, actually.
0: You know.
1: yeah. yeah. I'm always trying to see, yeah, because I know people. I, I guess I try to write from that place too, because mm-hmm. I know people are going, you know, would have suffered more than what I'm writing, or you know, would have mm-hmm. went through the same experience that I had gone through. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I guess that's why this, this one, this particular piece was you know, for all our grandmothers. <laughs> it's not just like my grandmother, but I, I can feel your grandmother as well in that poem that I've written, and my grandmother in your poem that yeah. you've written. So, yeah. sort of like that same similar kind of uh, affection for your grandmother, you know. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. And just, you know, appreciating their strength yeah
1: and that's like acknowledging their presence in your life you know and just yeah. being there And, just, and like, like you said it's 25 years old that cold that mm. it's cold man. yeah
0: and just you know we we know that they they were able to live through some tough times and still okay. have such beauty in our lives
1: that's so true man and they they sacrifice so much just to make sure that you know we, we get what you know, those opportunities that that they didn't have. Yeah. They wanted us to do better and become someone. Yeah. Who, you know, be, yeah. be good and do, you know, right. not, not become anything like rich or famous, but, you know, support yourself and, and to, to learn from what they taught you growing up, I guess.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Definitely. So, I always ask people in conclusion how, now, with the COVID, how, how do people If they want to go see, read, where do do they find you uh, reading? Are you doing virtual readings? And then then how do they follow you?
1: I haven't done any virtual readings. Uh, This is my first one, actually, over the COVID. Okay. But I have, like I said, I'll do my book and that'll come online maybe in the next couple of months. But I'll be recording live poetry Mm -hmm. to accompany that and I would keep you in, in tech. But for now, my Facebook page is DK specific poet as an artist
0: okay yeah. are you on instagram or twitter as well or no
1: i am but i'm not as active actually <laughs> i'm pretty slack <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, so yeah just facebook and uh, I'll, I'll get a link once everything's online
0: okay yeah. sounds good
1: and otherwise people can google my name online
0: cool well thank you very awesome. much I, I really appreciate you spending time talking with me about your grandmother and your poems
1: oh man it's pretty exciting this is my first time i've talked about this uh before my uh, like hardly anyone knows my book is coming out yet because i'm keeping it on download but i want to put that out soon and uh, yeah it's this is my first time that i'm sharing it uh on public media Yay. and thank you so much Jean. i really um appreciate your time and uh, sharing and And taking time to share with your grandmother with me as well.
2: Yeah, thank you.
0: You can find us at poetsandmuses.com, as well as on Instagram and Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter at poetsandmuses.com. In addition to the Poets and Muses website and SoundCloud page, you can also listen to the Poets and Muses podcast on your preferred podcast platforms. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a safe and healthy week, and I look forward to bringing you another episode next Sunday.